This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas Hospital Association. Welcome to today's episode of Plain Spoken. Our topic today is white bagging. This is a term used in reference to a policy that some health insurers use to limit specialty medications to be dispensed by a pharmacy of the insurer's choosing. While the payer may say that this policy saves money, that often doesn't appear to be happening in practice. What we're hearing from hospitals and pharmacists is that this practice can and has had negative impacts on patients and may contribute to increased healthcare costs. With us today are hospital pharmacist, Christina Lorenz, manager of pharmacy operations for LMH Health in Lawrence, and Ronnie Chambiditeapongs, director of pharmacy, Advent Health Shawnee Mission. Christina and Ronnie, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us today. Well, let's start off with the term white bagging, which outside of pharmacy circles may be a new and confusing term. How would you describe white bagging to a layperson? Christina, let's start with you first and then Ronnie. Okay, I think how I would describe white bagging, um, it, it's a term that we use when we describe how medication comes into our pharmacy that we have not purchased through our supply chain. In this particular case, as, as you just said, a patient's insurance company has determined that in order for that patient's medication to be fully covered under their benefits, they must acquire it through an insurance designated specialty pharmacy. There are a lot of behind the scenes things that must happen that include the physician, their office staff, pharmacy, infusion staff to make this happen. Ultimately, the specialty pharmacy sends the prescription directly to the infusion center or hospital. Typically, these medications are expensive, take special handling, training, administration, and monitoring. Well, thanks, Christina. Ronnie, how about you? Yeah, that's, that's extremely well put there. Um, for, for, for explaining how white bagging would be to a layperson, the way that I always look at it is, is that typically we purchase um, we purchase drugs straight from our supplier, from our, our wholesaler, and the drugs come in in a manner of where it's been controlled and been able to, to monitor for, for transportation. In, process, or in the white bagging process, the drug actually comes from a specialty pharmacy. Um, they work with the insurance company to determine which specialty pharmacy they're gonna use, and then that's shipped straight to us and we have to receive that medication, not knowing where this drug has, how it's been stored, how it's been transferred, um, and, and having to go through that process of knowing of where this drug is coming from. And then from here, this is where we use our pharmacy staff to help prepare the medication that's been received from the, the specialty pharmacy and looking up the information on, on how we're supposed to make it properly um, and administered to the patient. So you've both outlined how this is a really complex process and um, one that really makes you think about all of those patient safety precautions that, that are in place. So how would each of you describe how limiting which pharmacies can dispense specialty medications for certain payers or insurance plan could have a negative impact on patients? Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, so limiting specialty pharmacies on, on who, can, who can dispense certain medications, that we are currently going through a pandemic right now that has interrupted supply chain all across the board. This is something that pharmacies in general have, have always had to, to juggle 
with with drug shortages and and getting certain products in. Um, that's something that's that's something that we've always had to endure. Now with the nation or I guess worldwide supply chain issue, it's it's all across the board that that's making this difficult. So if you're limiting which pharmacies are able to dispense this, this creates a bigger problem because we may not be able to work with that pharmacy to get the certain drugs. They may be working with another uh, another distribution company or another um, another wholesaler or another um, manufacturer and not being able to get the product that we're needing in for that patient to be, to be treated with. And you bring up a really good point about how the pandemic has further exacerbated the problems. Christina, how about you? How, how would you describe the negative impact on patients and even thinking about kind of non-pandemic or pre-pandemic times? Well, there's a lot, a lot here, and I'll try to be brief. I think it has created two tracks for medicine to come in to get to the patient. So now instead of one reliable uh, venue for that medication to come through, someone that I have a trust relationship with that I know, um, now I have to accept medications from several different specialty pharmacies that I don't know their operations. I don't know how they run. My experience has been with many of these pharmacies that they're not even familiar with the medications that they're dispensing. And they don't really understand the implications of delays in therapy or conversely when to hold a therapy. So these very expensive medications that cost thousands of dollars, the patient um, may or may not get their medication on time for their next therapy. So these patients, they have serious chronic illnesses, um, think Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis. So they depend on those treatments happening in and on time. So every four weeks, every six weeks, every eight weeks, we cannot always guarantee that those medications are going to arrive on time, nor can we for sure say that those um, medications have been um, maintained in their proper temperature range. The other thing is that they create shortages within the system because now instead of manufacturer to wholesaler to pharmacy, you now have manufacturer to specialty pharmacy to wholesaler to um, directly to patients in some cases. And so what used to be a fairly smooth supply chain is now very complicated and you've actually added workers. So I don't understand how that is cost effective because you've now doubled your workforce in order to manage these same medications. Then I guess I'll mention this later, but then we also have the um, delivery of these medications. And these are being delivered by people that do, do not typically deliver medications. So you've got them coming through all different channels. Really good point. And you've both raised how important that what we call in the pharmacy world, the chain of custody is to mm -hmm. ensure that the medication is stored appropriately, shipped appropriately, and gets to the patient in its original and most effective form to treat them. Well, you both have talked about this a little bit, but any examples that you would like to share about how patients 
could be harmed by this type of policy? I have two really good examples, I think. One would be, my first one that comes to mind is that a patient's medication was here that we have to store um, and the patient came in ready for their infusion. We noted that a lab was not appropriate. So we intervened immediately and the therapy wasn't given, which prevented potentially a very serious infection. This doesn't happen with the specialty pharmacy. Once they send that medication out the door, they are done with their responsibility. And the responsibility of the hospital is, is just beginning. So that one, that to me is the, the paramount way. The other way that patients are harmed is they pay their copay for their medication and the medication keeps coming. So we have thrown in excess of $100,000 of drug away that has expired because the patient no longer received the therapy. You know, they stopped therapy, they needed to change therapy, so on and so forth. So to me, that's creating a, a, a tremendous waste um, of these very, very expensive medications. And one of them we have on shortage right now that we're using for the battle in COVID. And so throwing that away because it's expired and I can't use it. So if it came in for Mary and from her pharmacy, and I know I'm short that drug, but Joe needs that same medication. I can't take her medication and give it to him. That is, that is prohibited by law and you know ethically not appropriate. Well, Christina, you brought up a really good point about wastage. In that example, had the patient or patients paid their copay for that medication that then had to be thrown away? My understanding is yes, that they have. Well, thank you. Ronnie, how about you? Uh, have you seen this type of thing or are there other examples that you can think about how white bagging has negatively affected your patients? I mean, it, it's it's so amazing to hear these stories. It's it's heartbreaking, and it and and on the other hand, on the other hand, it's you. These are so similar because I feel like these stories happen all across, not just the state of Kansas, but all across the nation. Is you hear these stories, and and you can just put this happened at Advent House Shawnee Mission, or this happened at Lawrence Memorial, and it's and it seems like they're so 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 similar in, in what's happened. We've we've had instances where we've had. Um, we've had patients that are coming in for their first infusion, assuming that the drug is is already has already been shipped to to our facility. We are running around trying to locate this drug and never been informed that this drug was even shipped to us. And and lo and behold, we've had instances where they are they've been there and they've been sitting there for quite some time. They show up on a weekend or just during a time where nobody's working the dock. These delivery. Um, these delivery companies, they just really, they just drop it off. And, and that chain of custody that we've talked about earlier, it just is lost in, in translation. And so um, we've had patients that, uh, that will come and get their infusion and um, doses change. And of course the drug has already been delivered. And if that dosage is, is, at, or if the physician or the provider is wanting to increase that dose, they don't have enough of the drug. So at that point, we have to go back to the physician to determine, okay, well, we have only this much drug. What are we supposed to do? Versus if we were able to procure this drug in ourselves, we would have that product on hand ready for delivery to make sure that in certain instances where these patients are critically needing the drug right then and there, 
um, needing to start their infusion as soon as possible. This is where these instances where we're, we're having to wait on specialty pharmacy to, to mail us the drug, it creates a, a, a problem in regards to getting the patient their infusion at a timely manner. Um, we have had issues of new drugs showing up on our, on our steps and, and us not that we're familiar with and having to compound it in a certain way and going through the process of, of learning and, and not being thoroughly trained on how to prepare this medication. So that in itself um, can create delays in giving the drug to the patients. Wow. There's two points that I'd like to reinforce. We've had medication show up frozen that's, that was just left on the dock. Um, and a lot of these patients, um, uh, their therapies are weight-based. And so as their weight changes, their dose changes. And so it's a stagnant um, process because they take the weight that was written on the prescription and they don't vary from that. Correct. So I think that, and we too have had medications show up that we don't even know where they're coming from and are not expecting them. Mm. Well, great points. And Ronnie, I, I think you said it well when you said, I mean, this is really a heartbreaking right. situation. Uh, when you think about it, this is not just a, a commodity and a shipping process. I mean, this is about patients with very serious illnesses, might be cancer patients, might be patients with autoimmune disorders. And this type of policy is impacting their care and potentially their outcomes. Right. It's absolutely right. And in the grand scheme of things, for, for us as pharmacists, uh, our profession, we're the last line of defense in regards to medication errors. Um, anything that's you know inadvertently given to the patient, we are that last stop. And if we can't focus on that and we're having to worry about, oh, where is this drug coming from? Where was it kept? And all these things, it's, it's prohibiting us from actually doing the clinical aspects that we truly need to do and ensure that we're taking care of our patients properly. So Ronnie, you bring up an excellent point about the impact that pharmacists have and their duty to ensure that medication errors don't happen. And just thinking about white bagging and how this type of policy undermines those patient safety protections that pharmacists have in place and the clinical checks that you both have talked about. Christina, anything else you want to add about the clinical process and patient safety protections that may be overlooked or may not happen at all in that process of dispensing out of a specialty pharmacy that you may have no relationship with? It shows up uh, at your doorstep, maybe not at the right time, not at the right dose for a patient. What about your electronic health record? So the specialty pharmacy that's dispensing this, they don't see the patient's record, right? That, that is correct. And they, um, they don't call or check. They don't, they're, they're, they're basically just a conduit. They're, and, and in my opinion, they're really no different than a wholesaler because they get the prescription and they send the drug out. And that is, that's very frustrating because as our profession, we are the last line of defense. And I, and I, I, I agree with Ronnie on that. And so you don't, they're not checking. They don't know the patient's lab. They don't know whether or not that patient got their lab, if the lab is appropriate for that next treatment. 
And then also the face-to-face -face factor. So we will go over and talk to the patient. We will um, work with the nurse to make sure that the patient is getting the proper treatment, that they're getting the proper screening and that their labs did get drawn between therapies. Because the other thing to think about is that, think, think about filling your, your blood pressure medicine. So you go to your pharmacy and you fill your blood pressure medicine and, and you get your counseling. And then you're kind of on an automatic roll until you see that doctor for your follow-up six months, a year, that kind of a thing. In, in those cases, there, there's things that you're doing along those way, uh, along the way, you're taking your blood pressure, you know what you're, you're supposed to be doing and you call the doctor if you have a problem. In this case, you've got tens of thousands of dollars of drug being sent, just continue it. It's on the train, it's gonna come. And there's no guarantee that that lab has gotten done. There's no, there's no pull stop. And when you're at the hospital and you have a pharmacist ordering your medicine, we're gonna be looking at those labs we're going to be double checking. Hey, this person's white count is really, really low. We need to call the physician and make sure that um, they can be treated before we order this medicine. And we can turn things around a lot more efficiently. And that's not putting any of my counterparts um, in a um, bad light. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing under the functions that they're supposed to be doing them. It's just not safe. It's just not a safe process for for anyone, and it puts those practitioners at risk as well. Uh, Christina, you, you brought up a really good point about safety. And, and when I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, and Karen, you had mentioned about the our electronic medical record system. And so within our electronic medical record system, we have checks and balances that occur in, in, in our EMR system. Um, whenever, whenever a drug is placed in there, um, and you know, the patient may be on another drug, or they may have a list of, of disease states that, that are attached to that drugs. There are, there are interactions that fire automatically um, whenever a drug, before a drug is administered. And then as they go, you can see these fires that happen. So let's say if patient is taking, you know, is going to be receiving this drug and there's an interaction because this, this patient has had this drug already in their disease state, those things happen. And if, if, if we receive product from, from specialty pharmacies that are, that are, that we don't have that entry in our EMR system, that creates another potential error or another potential miss of you don't have that interaction because they'll have to enter that, they'll have to enter that drug in manually. And then there's no actual attachments of, hey, don't forget about these drug interactions and don't forget about these disease drug interactions that, that should occur with an EMR system. Our EMR system is, is built to make sure that, that we, are, we are doing things at the safest way possible. And by, by going around the system, it's not allowing those safety mechanisms to happen. Well, another... Thing. If I could just piggyback on what he was just talking about real quick, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. Um, the other thing is that these medications in, in many cases can cause hypersensitivity reactions, allergic reactions. The specialty pharmacy is not spent sending me a hypersensitivity kit. They are not sending me even the tubing, the saline, the components to mix the medication. And I'll get into that in a little bit. I'll, I'll expand on that further. But these drugs are not benign and we have to be ready to run help if they have a problem, if they get short of breath, if they have chest tightness, 
any of those things. And that's us and the nurse, the infusion nurses that are responding to those, not the specialty pharmacy. Well, you both have just explained so well how the white bagging policy can jeopardize uh, patient care through undermining you know, various checks and balances that are in place. And I think you've kind of naturally segued into my next question for you both. And that is about costs and uh, how costs in the system are impacted. You know, payers have shared that their intention behind their white bagging policies is to reduce costs. But tell us about how white bagging may actually increase healthcare costs in Kansas. I'm very, very passionate. So cut me off if I talk too long, okay? Um, I have, my opinion is that we've really just shifted costs. So yes, perhaps the insurance company is saving money by using the specialty pharmacy, but what they've done is they've shifted costs onto the physician office who, much, who must sit on the phone, make calls. These calls to get the drug prior off take 45 minutes to a couple hours. To, to, get, to, to get it all started. And then the patient has to wait and wait and wait to get their therapy started. And, and in some cases, that is very impactful to that patient, especially if they have Crohn's, if they have ulcerative colitis um, or really, really bad rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, you're talking about pain and suffering while they're waiting for this to get approved. So that's the first step. The second step, is really they've shifted a lot of that work back onto the patient. So once we get over that big hurdle to get the medicine um, approved, then it is back on the patient to make sure that they're calling the pharmacy, the specialty pharmacy, which a lot of times they don't even know and they don't have a pharmacist that they can go talk to and say, hey, I think my therapy is gonna be scheduled for this date. Um, so the work is shifted onto them. So now you've got work shifted onto the physician office, you've got work shifted onto the patient. And then when it comes to the hospital and the pharmacists in the hospital and the nursing staff, um, you've shifted costs or actually you've taken away or added to our costs. I'm not sure however you want to put this on the balance sheet. Um, it, it's an unfair playing field. We are required by joint, by, by joint commission, by Medicare, to have a proper clean room where these things can be mixed. Yes. And we have to meet certain criteria. We have to train pharmacists so that they know what they're looking for, that they can monitor. We work with the nursing staff. They have to be especially trained as for looking for hypersensitivity reactions. They also have to be competent to start um, a hypersensitivity protocol if that patient does have problems. They're the ones that the patients are asking questions of, and all of this costs the hospital money. And if we do not get reimbursed for the work that we are doing, I didn't even mention the expensive refrigerator we have to have to be able to store all of these um, white bag drugs. If we do not get reimbursed for our work, our time, and our storage, and our knowledge, then there's not going to be a hospital here for people to come to, to get their infusions. Absolutely. And, and I feel like um, Christina's comments about, about how all of this all plays into increased costs. 
I, I feel like even in I mean, what's what's really going to be impacted. I come from a, a rural area, um, and and those areas that don't have the the infrastructure or or, or or places like we do here in Kansas City or possibly in Lawrence and, and the, the bigger metropolitan areas, the rural areas are the ones that are going to get impacted even more than 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 what I think that other people are seeing. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Well, Christina and Ronnie, uh, you've brought up another uh, issue, and that is the statutory and regulatory requirements that pharmacists must meet to ensure patient safety. And we are working uh, at the Kansas Hospital Association with stakeholders on this issue to ensure patient safety and stem healthcare costs in our state. We thank you both so much for sharing your insights and your perspective and really bringing the focus back to patients and how white bagging is impacting individual patients' health, their livelihoods, and this is happening every day in hospitals across the state. And we really appreciate you bringing attention to this matter and, and are so thankful for you taking the time to join us. Again, this was Christina Lorenz, Manager of Pharmacy Operations with LMH Health in Lawrence and Ronnie Chamvidateapongs, Director of Pharmacy at Advent Health at Shawnee Mission. Thank you both. Thank you very thank much you. for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, and thanks for everyone taking their time to listen to us. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I think it shows how, how passionate we are and, and how we want to, number one, overall, make sure that we're, we're doing what we can for our patients. Agreed. For more information on Kansas health issues, go to kha-net.org.